I want to help you today. I really do. I, I, I stand amazed at what God is doing at this time. Our world is not getting better and better. It's not going to. I wished I could stand before you and tell you that it will. Matter of fact, as you read the scripture, God said it's going to get worse and worse. Uh, the foolishness of our society and our world. Who would have ever thought that political leaders that were publicly shamed would say that they wear it as a badge of honor? How deplorable. The embarrassment of our leaders to the world stage. Uh, and I don't say that in criticism. I say that in looking at where we were. How anybody could knowingly stand before the American people, be corrected for lying to the American people, and brag about it. And then have the press praise them for it. it. The news media hates truth. Please do yourself a favor. Quit listening to it. No wonder everybody's so weirded out. If you listen, they're programming people what to think. There was a day where you could trust the news. But that was a long time ago. And I'm talking a long time before you were born. It's amazing. I'm, I'm reading a, a, a biography right now about William McKinley. When I was back in Ohio, I picked up a couple books at the McKinley Library because he's from Canton, where I'm from. And honestly, I didn't know much about him. Or I'd forgotten it all. I can't remember. Uh, but it, it's amazing that as I read what took place in the 1890s, it's almost like what t is taking place today politically. It hasn't changed, just so you know. Uh, our world is so inside out and upside down. Sodomites are now considered normal. And Christians are put on the watch list for the government for being a hate group. That makes no sense. We can bring books in to teach kids that immorality is right and uh, the alphabet soup crowd is right, but we've got to ban the Bible. Because that's a bad book. Now, I can't promise you that the world is going to get better. The only place that God will allow life to be better are in places like this that will preach the truth. Right here on this four acres and in this building, you have a little slice of what God intended for America. What God intended for Christianity. It's only going to be churches like this that preach the right truth. I'm not saying religion. I said churches preaching the right truth. You see, it's going to have to happen in our churches and in our homes. Because barring a miracle, and I hope our tent revival gets big. But if it doesn't, it's okay. But my Bible says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. 
It is going to be on the shoulders of those of us who know what truth is to change it. I don't blame the White House. I blame the church house. I don't blame the president. I blame the sissy britches preachers who are afraid to preach the truth. I don't blame the government. I blame Christians who are afraid to stand up for what is right. <sighs> Maybe I'm old-fashioned. Thank you very much. I have no problem saying that. But may I say something? If we don't get back to doing it God's way, it's going to turn out man's way, and man's way has never turned out good. The only hope we have is getting the gospel to more people, giving them a chance to learn what God says in that book right there. We're not to cower from the truth. We're not to be like the world to attract them, to hopefully give them the truth. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I don't give a rip. I've been in trouble before. I'll probably live in trouble. It's not going to happen by professional athletes getting up on TV saying, well, I just thank God for the ability that God's given me to make millions of dollars and play ball. I don't know. I've ne <laughs> In 42 years of preaching, Brother Jim, I've never met anybody that a pro athlete won to the Lord. Everybody doing okay? Oh, I'm not saying they're not saved or Christians. But they're not a real good Christian if they're playing in the ballpark today and not going to church. Ouch. <laughs> you say, preacher, you're a little bit radical. No, I'm a lot bit radical. <laughs> Satan has blinded our world from the gospel. To where when the gospel is preached, people don't want to hear it. My sermon last Sunday, I said, people who live in the dark cannot see in the light. And the Bible says that Satan hath blinded the, the minds of them to whom the gospel is hid. So when the glorious light of the gospel is presented, they reject it. It amazes me how people don't want to know how to go to heaven. And I can knock on somebody's door. I can start talking to them. We can strike up a good conversation. We can talk hunting, golf, sports, weather, farming, whatever they want to talk about. But at the moment I say, let me ask you a question. Do you know 100% sure you're going to heaven when you die? It's like you flip a switch and it goes from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. Or vice versa. Man, I, I was out so winning last summer. Brother Josh and I were out. Knocked on a door. This guy was as friendly as could be. I asked him that question, and he said, get out of here. He said, you have no right to ask me that question. I said, I have every right to ask you that question. I said, you don't have to give me an answer. That's for sure. He said, I, I, just get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. I mean, it was just like you went from best buddies to <laughs> if you don't get out of here, I'm going to shoot you. Say, what would you do? <laughs> went to the next house and the next one and the next one. And the next one. And many more thereafter. See, doesn't that sadden you? It saddens me that they're that upset with the truth. Well, that's a personal question. Yep, we have a personal God. I have no problem asking it. Now, 
Listen to this statement very carefully. God did all he can and will do with the gospel. He has placed on you and me the responsibility to get it out to our fellow man. God placed on man the responsibility to get the gospel out to his fellow man. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He lived our righteousness for us. He shed his blood. He died. He was buried. He resurrected. He put his blood on the mercy seat. He did all of that that we could not do because we're sinners. And yet, we want to blame God if somebody dies and goes to hell. Well, how could God send anybody to hell? He doesn't. We reject the truth. I've heard this before. Well, what about those people in deepest, darkest Africa that never heard the gospel? That's our fault, not God's. God said he put enough in creation to where man ought to seek God as a creator. Everybody doing okay? And I don't care where you go. Africa, South America, Central America, North America, any country in the world you go to, people worship something. Man, God has put into man and in the heart of man a desire to worship something. Unfortunately, man usually worships himself. As I said Wednesday night, that's why religion is wrong. Religion is based on body and soul, and a body and a soul cannot produce a spirit. Only spirit produces spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. That's why religion is based on what man does, his traditions, man, I hear, I hear a pizza somewhere. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. Look this way. Now, uh, man's religion says, well, you've got to light candles or you've got to uh, tell some guy in a telephone booth all the bad things you've done. Or you've got to give money to the church. You've got to join the church. You've got to take these classes. You've got to do all these different rituals and you've got to do all these different things. And maybe through what you do, your good will outweigh the bad and it's all based on body and soul and not spirit. Your body and your soul cannot produce a spirit any more than two chickens can produce a horse. Fact. That's why God said everything after its kind. That's why evolution is a religion of the devil. Because evolution says everything can just change into what it wants to be. Evolution is not science. The definition of science by science is something that is observable and repeatable. Evolution can be neither. Nobody has observed millions and millions and millions of years. And they've never been able to repeat it. Therefore, doesn't even follow the definition of science. So, God placed on us the responsibility 
to get the truth of the gospel out. I want you to notice something in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 12. God makes a statement here that just jumped out at me. And But I would, you should understand brethren. Now, when he says brethren, is he talking to lost people or to saved people? Save. Saved people. But it would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out, rather, under the furtherance of the gospel. Oh, so that in my bonds, Christ are manifest in all the palace in all other places. Now look at me. God tells us in this passage that what our responsibility is in the gospel. He tells us not only what the responsibility is, but he tells us how to do it. Let me make a statement here I've made before, but it's the launching point of the sermon. The problem today is not the loudness of the bad. It's the quietness of the good. The problem today isn't the lies of the media. It's the lack of righteous people speaking up the truth. Well, you finally met a preacher who's not afraid of the truth. I'm not afraid of the liars. I'm not afraid of the media or anybody else. I'm afraid of God. I'm not going to stand before the media. I'll stand before God. I have a responsibility after 42, almost 43 years of preaching to stand before you and give you the truth as God said it, not interpret it my way, not interpret it man's way, but just give it as God said it. So, number one, God says we are to use every experience we have in life to get the gospel out. Is that not what he says in verse 12? That all things which happened unto me for the falling out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. You see, every experience in life opens the door for us to get the gospel out to someone. He said in the palace and in all other places. Oh, the palace. That's government. You... (laughs) Older folks, much older than 56. (laughs) That's real old. That's older than Steve. Uh, Anyway, uh, now wait a minute. I grew up with grandparents and their generation that said, oh, we don't talk religion or politics. It's not appropriate to talk religion or politics. Now we have a godless communistic society. Well, I just don't think it's appropriate, preacher. Don't care what you think. I care what God says. God didn't ask you what you think. God said, thus saith the Lord. Let let God be true and every man a liar. Please don't get upset with me. There was a day when preachers used to preach like this. There was a day when preachers didn't wiggle when they walk was a day when they didn't wear lace on their underwear. They weren't afraid of the truth. was a day when they lifted up their voice like a trumpet. They didn't tweet around like a little flute. Amen. Sorry, Miss Leanne. Amen. 
<laughs> now, can I say something? I'm not afraid of the truth. I'm not trying to be unkind. But may I say something? They don't make the person that intimidates me to where I wouldn't give them the gospel. My daddy taught me a long time ago, you look up or look down at nobody, you look them square in the eyeball. They're made out of the same dirt you're made out of. Why do we want to compare one dirt with another dirt? Well, my dirt's better than your dirt. It's still dirt. Well, you think you're something. No, I think I'm dirt. I think I got a great God. I think I've been, I know I've been born again by the Spirit of God. And because of that, I have something from Him to give to you that you don't know yet. And if you would just submit and quit relying on your dirt and rely on the Spirit of God, you might find out how good it really is. You see, we're not supposed to be shy or afraid. God said that everything that happens is for the furtherance of the gospel. That means gas stations, restaurants, stores, shopping. A couple weeks ago when Anthony and Katora were here, we went to, I took them to lunch. My wife and I did. And the waiter walked over to the table and he said, Grace Baptist Church. I said, very good. He said, I've got four or five of your cards already. <laughs> Brother Anthony started laughing. Because in a meeting we had had just before then, I said, I hardly go anywhere without somebody knowing who I am. I said, our folks pass out tracks, witness everywhere we go. I've been in this area so long, just about everybody knows who I am. And sure enough, the waiter comes to the table. I got four or five of your cards. I was at the table a couple years ago with Dr. Russell Anderson and Dr. Jim Bossy. And uh, I think Michael was with me that day. We were at Ruby Tuesdays when it was still open in Martinsburg. <laughs> we got done eating. And uh, Dr. Anderson, he would witness to a busy signal. It, it was great. You knew it was coming. And I just sat back to enjoy it. Well, the guy had come to the table and... Uh, he said, preacher, I need one of your tracks. So I handed him one of my tracks. And he reached to hand it to the guy. And he says, oh, yeah, I've got about 20 of these. He said, how many? He said, I got probably 20 of them back here in my locker. He began to talk to the guy. He said, oh, yeah. He said, there's a group that comes here all the time from that church. He said, I got saved. Dr. Anderson leans over to Brother Bossy and said, did you hear that? He said, how many times have you been out to eat? Brother Bossy and heard that the preacher in their church has won, won the waiter to the Lord already. He said, I can't even go out to eat in this town without him. I've already been there first. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Katora asked me last week, she said, does it seem strange to see your picture on, on, on those tracks everywhere? I said, no, my picture's just strange. <laughs> I said, it used to bother me. I said, it's really fun when you pull up at a gas station, though. And Kathy's been there before you, and every gas pump has tracks there. And you pull up, and somebody's looking at it, and they watch you jump out of your truck, and they're going. <laughs> you say, yep, that's me. I didn't put it there. You saw me pull up. I said, it happens everywhere I go. Uh, but can I tell you something? At least I know we're doing our job. Uh, I'm talking about doctor's visits, hospitals. Brother Fred, before he died, 
God bless that man. He died so many times it wasn't even funny. God wasn't done with him yet. Stubbornest old man I ever met in my life was Fred. I mean it. He was one of the toughest people I ever won to Christ. He'll tell you, well, when you get to heaven, he'll tell you that. Uh, but uh, rough, I mean old, tough mountain man. He was an hour from death. And preacher, I'm not ready yet. I said, you're going to bust hell wide open. I'm not ready yet. He'd been on and off hospice three different times. I remember the day he got saved. And when he got saved, he got saved all over. Emphysema, everything else. I watched that man go door to door with Brother Barnes, dragging an oxygen bottle on wheels. Telling people about Jesus. Every time he'd go to the hospital, preacher, can you come? I need more tracks. I'd walk up and down the halls and every nurse there had been talked to, every doctor had been talked to. They said, you going down to see Fred? I said, yep. They knew who I was. They'd see my picture. There was a man that couldn't get out of his house hardly unless it was to go to the doctor or the hospital, but he was taking the gospel everywhere he went. By the way, after he died, Mrs. Lopez, she's back here, worked with a lady and she worked as a, a part-time in a restaurant as a waitress. She invited her to church and handed her one of the gospel tracts. And she said, oh, there was a fam couple from your church that used to come to the restaurant, uh, Fred and Wally. They used to give me, she said, uh, they won me to the Lord. <laughs> I'll take that. That's what God says. Everything that happens to the furtherance of the gospel. I'm talking about business interactions. I'm talking about your neighbors. <laughs> Everybody in my neighborhood knows I'm the pastor and I didn't tell them. <laughs> the Catholic neighbor across the street did, but I didn't. Uh, I want him to the Lord. <laughs> it's great. Just got new neighbors on one side. Can't get rid of the neighbor on the other side. Oh, anyway. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, the guy moves in next door, and uh, I walked up and shook his hand. He said, aren't you the pastor? I said, yeah. He said, Sharon told me about that. I said, I said is, does that mean duck or pucker? <laughs> he looked, I said, is that good or bad? Now, wait a minute. Uh, your business interactions, whatever. I got to tell this story. I haven't told it for a long time. Many of you would not have heard it, but when my wife and I came to this area 22 years ago or so, 21, 22 years ago, uh, there was a man that was a realtor, but he also was a Berkeley County commissioner, Max Parkinson. Some of you old timers know who Max was. Max drove like Mr. Magoo. I'm not kidding. I, I stopped counting at six mailboxes he took out while he was showing us houses. <laughs> Never slow down. Boom! Max, he said, that's okay. They'll fix it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <You know. laughs> he really was that way. It, it got so bad, my wife said, honey, I don't think I can go. I said, I'll, I'll drive. Max, can I drive? Well, I know where I, I said, just, just show me where to go. I'll feel better. I witnessed to Max, he was a tough old Catholic man. 
that Max loved me. I sent a lot of business his way through the years, and he and I would keep in contact, and one day he had gotten cancer and was in the hospital. I got word that he was in the hospital. I went down to the hospital, and I walked up to his room, and big old tears come down Max's face. I'd witnessed to, to him several times, and I said, Max, I said, do you know for sure you're going to heaven one day? He said, no. But my wife would not like it because I'm Catholic. I said, your wife's not here. This is between you and God, not between you and your wife. He said, go shut that door. I went and shut the door. He said, keep talking until she gets here. About three or four minutes, old Max Parkinson bowed his head and trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. I'll promise you, not 60 seconds after that man trusted Christ, the door opened up. He was wiping his eyes. And his wife walked in. She, he introduced me, and she was not real friendly. He said, but I want the preacher to pray for me. She bowed her head and let me pray. Max died after that. But Max is in heaven. Amen. You say, why? Because somebody cared about a businessman. Somebody cared. God wants you to use every experience and opportunity you have to get the gospel out. You might laugh at me. I don't even go hunting without gospel tracks. I never know who I'm going to run into or what. Yeah. since you're going to die today. Uh, anyway, that means this. Keep tracks with you. Give them out everywhere you go. Say, well, preacher, I, I, I'm not that bold. It doesn't take anything to shove a piece of paper in somebody's face and say, I'll show you how you can know you're going to heaven someday. Let me invite you to come to church. It doesn't take any boldness. Uh, so... God says, use every experience. When Josh was just a little baby, we were in California, the land of fruits, flakes, and nuts. Uh, Josh was four months old. He had gone into the hospital with pneumonia. He had several other things amongst that being RSV on top of that, and he was in full respiratory arrest. They put him on a ventilator for three weeks. We were rushed to the hospital to sign paperwork to keep him alive. It was touch and go for a couple of days. Remember, we walked in, and my wife and I won probably a half a dozen doctors and nurses to Christ standing over the body of our four-month-old. And I'll be honest with you. I don't want to go through that ever again. But we used it to see people get saved. I'm not talking about how good I am. I'm just showing you, you can use any experience to see God work. Funerals or stand-up funerals called weddings. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I preach weddings and see people get saved. I preach funerals and see people get saved. I just preached my, my wife and I's our brother-in-law's funeral back in February in Texas. 
56 years old, died of cancer. I preached that morning at his funeral, and his mother sat on the third row about where Brother Jim is right now. And I watched his mother raise her hand, trusting Jesus Christ as her Savior. I was told she was the meanest person in the building. You know, she, were, she was in a wheelchair. And I had heard her talk beforehand, and I had a feeling they were probably pretty right. Rough. Old Texan. They rolled her up to me, tears running down her face, and she said, Preacher, Paul always begged me to get saved. I'm ashamed that it took his death for it to take place. She said, but thanks for helping me understand it. She put both of her hands around my hand and thanked me. My sister-in-law standing there going. <laughs> she said, I've been married to Paul for 20 years and never saw her that nice. I said, because she likes me. She don't like you. <laughs> you got to know my sister-in-law to appreciate that. Can I tell you something? You can use any experience to get the gospel out. Number two, Philippians 1.17 says, But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Now, for too long, we've been told that if we speak up for the gospel, that we're forcing people to believe something. Well, I don't go to church because when I was a kid, my mom and dad forced me to go. Well, bless God, they forced you to wear clothes too. They forced you to know how to go to the bathroom. Yeah, now they just give them a litter box. Uh, I don't think that you ought to shove religion down anybody's throat. I don't either, but I'm for shoving the gospel in everybody's face. I have no problem with that. You see, we need to not be worried about the attacks of the evil. Have you ever noticed... How that the wrong speaks louder than the right. And it seems like the right is intimidated by the loudness of the wrong. <laughs> they don't intimidate me. When the Jehovah's false witnesses knock on your door, tell them you're a saved, born again, King James Bible believing Christian and watch them turn tail and run. You won't talk to them very long. They'll leave. You don't need to argue with them. God said, answer not a fool according to his folly. Just tell them the truth. Give them a gospel track and watch them run. Is all you have to do is say, I go to Grace Baptist Church in Kearneysville, and they'll leave you alone, trust me. They know who we are. <laughs> Some of you are nodding your heads. You've done it, and it works. <laughs> Can I tell you why? They know what we stand for. They know what we're... Were the truth that we proclaim. You see, we need to defend the gospel against the world and fleshly attacks. I'm going to make a statement here. We don't need to let educated fools tell us that we're ignorant for believing the gospel. I don't care how many degrees somebody has, that doesn't mean they're smart. I know some people that have more degrees than they have temperature. I don't care how many letters you put after your name or before your name. It doesn't mean you know the truth. It's time for America to quit trusting public indoctrination called education. 
That's why we started Grace Baptist Church School. I want our children learning truth, not perversion. I want them understanding the word of God so they can read and write by the time they're done with kindergarten or first grade and not be reading and writing the wrong things. You say, preacher, aren't you afraid of what? What are they going to do, hit me with their purse? (laughs) Stop that. (laughs) Why should we trust, and I'm using air quotes here, educated people that can't figure out if they're a man or a woman? And they want to tell me I'm ignorant? I can take you to the farm and show you two bulls that aren't going to give you a cow. Two heifers aren't going to give you a bull. Everybody doing okay? Okay. You see, they don't even know where life began. They don't know who starts and gives life. We need to defend the gospel against man's religion. I am sick up to here with religion. Well, you're a religious person. No, I'm a Christian. Just because it says Christian doesn't mean it's biblical. Anything that teaches anything other than the gospel and the word of God, it's not right. Period. I don't care if it's Baptist. I don't care what the name on the sign is. Everybody doing okay? We need to stand up for the right gospel, the right truth, against religious error sending people to hell. Well, I don't think you ought to preach with such a bad attitude. Well, is it kind to lie to people and let them die and go to hell? Well, I don't think that you ought to preach so strongly. You might scare somebody. Well, if I can scare them into heaven, I'll do it. Well, I don't think that's a good motive. I don't give a flip what the motive is. I'm trying to keep people out of hell. Well, I just think, I don't care what you think. I care what God says. And please don't get mad at me for my bad attitude right now. I got a bad attitude against the devil. Amen. I'm like old Billy Sunday. I, you can't love God unless you hate the devil. You can't love flowers unless you hate weeds. Amen. It's about time we get our hate life right and start hating error. We're not supposed to bring the world's methods to bring God's message. We're not supposed to have rock concerts in church. We're supposed to do it God's way. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Not jamming for Jesus. We're not supposed to have fog machines and rock concerts and dance halls and everything else. We're not supposed to have swim parties uh, at church to have people uh, get closer to Jesus. Bunch of garbage. Can I tell you something? Let's do it God's way, not man's way. Well, uh, (laughs) I think you ought to be nicer. Okay. I'm for being nice, 
But I'd rather be rude and get somebody saved than nice and let them die and go to hell. They're the rude ones, not me. Number three. And number last. God says in Philippians chapter 1, look at verse number 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, whether I come and see you or else be absent. I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the what? Faith of the gospel. Now look at me. God said we're to have faith in the gospel for the world. I've talked about how bad things are. Can I tell you something? There's still hope. It's called the gospel. I haven't given up on America. I love America. I love this old, old country more than you know. I've given my life to this country. I've given every hour of my adult life to preaching the gospel and getting the truth out to this country and around the world. First Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read a verse to you. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse number 4 says this. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Oh, God said he has put the gospel in our trust. In other words, he's entrusted us with the gospel and expects us to do something with it. He said, I'm giving it to you to use and to distribute, and it's your responsibility. And we have on us the responsibility to get the truth out. The faith. What is faith? Faith is not the power of positive thinking. Faith is not, well, I believe something, so God's going to make it happen. No, 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 no. Old illustration. I can believe and pray all I want that if I drop my keys, they're going to not fall. Doesn't matter how much I believe it. There's a law called gravity that overrides my belief. And you can believe all you want, but if it's not founded in truth, it will not work. Faith is obeying God and doing all you can to obey God and hold on when you can't do any more. And let him finish. God says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is action. Faith is how we please God. We do our part. And when we can't do any more. God steps in. Amen. But until you do your part. He will not step in. God's not the genie in the lamp. And you rub the lamp and say, okay, I need help. You do this. And God's not the U.S. government called welfare. Which is neither well nor fair. 
You see, we're not to use man's ways and man's fancy words. We're supposed to just do things God's way. God says in 1 Thessalonians that we're not to use enticing words of man's wisdom. You can turn on Christian radio and hear all these suave and debonair, or deboner, however you want to call it, people. Oh, they sound real intelligent. But if they're wrong in doctrine, don't listen to them. If they're not using the right Bible, turn it off. Everybody doing okay? But they have so much knowledge. How can you have knowledge if it's not based in truth? Everybody doing okay? I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm not here to get fame or notoriety. I'm here to preach the gospel and get everybody to listen to it that will. (laughs) It's my job to get the gospel out to keep people out of hell. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 2 for a second. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's, Let's look at a few verses here. I want to show you what God says. Not man, what God says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verse number uh, 4. I read it to you just a minute ago, but now I want you to see a few verses here. But as, verse 4, we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, uh, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as an earth cherishes her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Wow. Can I tell you something? I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want to keep them out of hell. I love people enough to preach the truth to try to keep them out of hell. I love our kids enough to have somebody preach the truth to them and not just tell stories to them. The Bible is not a storybook, it's a book of truth. And children need to know the truth. Adults need to know the truth. And it's our job to get the truth out. We're not to please man, we're to please God. One of the things I asked God this morning is, I said, when I hit the pillow tonight, I want to look up and say, I hope you're pleased, and I want to hear you say, I am. I want God pleased with what's said. Well, I don't think if Jesus were alive, he would be so controversial. Have you read the same Bible I read? They killed him. And it was the religious and political people who killed him. Everybody doing all right? He had to escape for his life many a time. Did you ever notice wherever Jesus went, he caused troubles. <laughs> Jesus didn't wiggle when he walked. Jesus didn't have long hair and walk like these alphabet soup people do. Matter of fact, do you know what he did on Palm Sunday? You know, the religious day? 
where everybody smashes last year's palm fronds and puts the ashes on people's heads? Do you know what Jesus did on Palm Sunday? He made a cat of nine tails, went into the temple and uh, kicked over the tables of the money changers and said, Yeah, get out of here. That's why they crucified him four days later. By the way, I'm smart enough to know he didn't die on Friday and resurrect on Sunday. You don't get three days and three nights. He was crucified on a Wednesday and resurrected on Sunday morning. We're not here to impress people. I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm here to get the truth out. Let me ask you a question. Do you care enough about people to try to keep somebody out of hell? Do you love God enough to speak up for the gospel and at least give them a printed copy of the gospel? Everywhere you go, it's not hard. We've made it too hard. Well, I don't know enough about it yet, preacher. I can tell you what I was told. Just tell them how you got saved. That'll work. Amen. You read the back of the gospel track, read it to them, do what it says, you can get them saved. Amen. That's all you got to know right there. Pull that out, read that to them, they can get saved. It's printed word for word out of the word of God. Guarantee it. Say, well, that just sounds too simple. <laughs> yeah, because man complicates things. God didn't. It's really not that hard. We just have to be willing to speak up. There's gospel tracts on your way out. There's stack of flyers for the tent revival on your way out. Take some with you. Invite somebody this week. Give somebody the gospel. When you go to the, uh, go to the restaurant, leave a track for the uh, waitress. <clears throat> when you go somewhere, leave a gospel track for somebody. When you go to the drive-thru and they hand you your change, hand them a gospel track and say, here, this will show you how you can go to heaven someday. Is that real hard to say? Guess what? That's all you have to say. As you get a little bit more uh, good at it, you might want to stay in there and talk to them for a while about it. Okay. But at least put the gospel in their hand. But let's not be afraid to give anybody the gospel. Let's be willing to obey God. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to let every experience of life help you get the gospel out? Or are you going to get mad and angry and just not tell anybody and let the whole world die and go to hell? Say, preacher, that, that's a little rough. Might be. But we live in such a society where we don't hear that anymore. I'm thankful for a, back in 1971, 1972, a Vietnam vet that got his leg blown off in Vietnam and actually literally had a wood peg. Preaching in a junior church to a bunch of little kids, Canton, Ohio, Mr. Humphreys got up and preached on hell. Talked about the war and how he had faced what he thought was hell. Then showed us in the Bible what hell was and said, if you die without Jesus, you're going to die and go to that hell. And I bowed my head after I tugged on my Sunday school teacher's dress and said, I don't want to go there. And she opened up her Bible and showed me what God said. And God loved me and he gave his, his self as the sacrifice for my sin. 
All I had to do is trust Jesus as my Savior. That was over 51, 52 years ago, and I'm still saved. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have been saved because of that. I wonder what God could do with you if we just start telling somebody about Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Who'd say, preacher, if I died today, I'm 100% sure. I know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. You may put your hands down. I would never embarrass anybody. I'd never call you out. 